0: Evidence and Answers. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zukran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the arena of Christian apologetics the defense of the Christian faith. Each week, Pat and his friends provide great biblical teaching from interviews discussing different cults, such as Buddhism or Mormonism. He breaks down popular topics and provides valuable insights on issues facing our current society. Today on Evidence and Answers, Pat is speaking about Islam in a message entitled, The Islamic Hope of Paradise. Pat has a lot of information about this particular topic, and you can find multiple interviews, teachings, and articles right there on our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. If you're unable to hear any of this broadcast, all of our messages are available on our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Here's our host now, Dr. Pat Zucran, with
1: part one. You're listening to Evidence and Answers, where we provide compelling evidence for faith and hope in Christ and biblical answers to the issues of the day. Well, What makes a man strap on a bomb and blow himself up in the name of Allah? What motivates such acts of terrorism? Well, one of the most powerful motivations is the Islamic hope and promise of paradise. In Islam, martyrdom in jihad is the surest way to immediate entrance into paradise so in this series we will study Islamic eschatology or the Islamic understanding of salvation and life after death which poses to be one of the most powerful motivations in radical Islam that motivates these terrorists to give their lives sacrificially in the cause of jihad for Allah now the first thing we need to understand is the path to salvation in Islam How does one attain paradise in Islam? Well, in Islam, salvation is attained by belief in Allah and good works. One of the key things to understand in Islam is the understanding of human nature. Unlike the Bible that teaches that all men and women are born sinful and we've inherited a sin nature, Islam teaches that men and women are basically good but weak. Carter Raga, a Islamic scholar writes this Islam does not identify with the Christian conviction that man needs to be redeemed the Christian belief in the redemptive sacrificial death of Christ does not fit the Islamic view that man has always been fundamentally good and that God loves and forgives those who obey his will so salvation is by belief in the teachings of Islam and by good works Chapter 5, verse 10 of the Quran states, To those who believe and do deeds of righteousness hath God promised forgiveness and a great reward. The good works here include the five pillars of Islam, which consists of reciting the confession, prayer, fasting, almsgiving, and the pilgrimage to Mecca. Chapter 23, verse 102 of the Quran states, then those whose balance of good deeds is heavy, they will attain salvation. But those whose balance is light will be those who have lost their souls in hell, will they abide. Now, according to Islamic eschatology, on the day of judgment, there will be a scale where your good deeds and bad deeds will be weighed. And those whose balance of good deeds is very heavy, those may have the possibility of attaining Islamic paradise so salvation in islam depends on belief and the practice of good works especially the five pillars of islam but it also depends on the mercy of allah allah will forgive who he wants to and who he chooses to have mercy upon now islam teaches that each individual has two angels one on the right recording his good deeds and one on the left recording his bad deeds. They will record all his acts and even one's intentions. Now on the day of judgment, the two books will be opened and all will be revealed. Chapter 18 verse 49 of the Quran states, the book of deeds will be placed before you and you will see the sinful in great terror because what is recorded therein. They will say, ah, woe to us, what a book is this, It leaves out nothing, small or great, but takes account thereof. They will find all that they did placed before them. Not one will thy Lord treat with injustice. Chapter 17, verse 13 of the Quran states, It affirms that every man's fate we have fastened on his own neck. On the day of judgment, we shall bring out for him a scroll, which he will see spread open, and it will be said to him, Read thine own record, sufficient is thy soul, this day to make an account against thee." Now there is an imagery of scales is used of weighing good versus one's bad deeds. Chapter 23 of the Quran, verse 102 states, Then those whose balance of good deeds is heavy, they will attain salvation. But those whose balance is light will be those who have lost their souls in hell where they will abide. Chapter 69 verse 18 of the Quran reads, That day shall ye be brought to judgment, not an act of yours that ye hide will be hidden. Then he that will be given his record in his right hand will say, Ah, here, read ye my record. I did really understand that my account would one day reach me. And he will be in a life of bliss. And he that will be given his record in his left hand will say, Ah, would that my record had not been given to me and that I had never realized how my account stood. The stern command will say, Seize ye him, and bind ye him, and burn ye him in the blazing fire. Now, most Muslims believe that most people, even Muslims, will spend some time in hell. Many prominent Muslim theologians, for example, one of the greatest Muslim theologians, Al-Ghazali, living in about 1000 AD, he stated this it is too simple merely to conclude that there will be a black and white division into those who are punished in this intermediate period in the grave and those who are not therefore they argued that with few exceptions each individual will undergo some kind of torment slight or heavy dependent upon the particular configuration of his or her religion or faith while on earth so believers and unbelievers will spend some time in hell but the unbelievers will suffer a much harsher punishment. Believers' time in hell is meant to purify their soul for paradise, but for the unbeliever it is simply a precursor to the greater judgment that they will face at the end of the age. Now, because Islam, just like other religions, is based on good works, then there is no true assurance of salvation in Islam. Islam Faruqi, one of the great apologists of Islam writes this great as it may be in the eyes of Islam for any person to make the decision to enter the faith the entry constitutes no guarantee of personal justification in the eyes of God there is nothing the new initiate can do which would assure him or her of salvation Islam denies that a human can attain religious felicity on the basis of faith alone only the works and deeds constitute justification in God's eyes On the scale of virtue and righteousness people occupy varying positions the scale of justice itself is infinite and there is no point at which muslims may carry their titles to paradise as it were in their pockets everyone strives and some strive more than others religious justification is thus the muslims eternal hope never their complacent certainty not for even a fleeting moment In fact, there are many Muslim scholars who teach that not even Muhammad was absolutely sure of his eternal destiny. In chapter 46, verse 9 of the Quran, Muhammad states, Say, I am no bringer of newfangled doctrine among the apostles, nor do I know what will be done with me or with you on that day. I follow but that which is revealed to me by inspiration. I am but a warner, open and clear. So it seems here in chapter 46 of the Quran that perhaps even Muhammad was not completely sure of his eternal destiny or he did not want to say so clearly in the hadith the traditions of the teachings and sayings of muhammad it says this according to the hadith of bukhari volume 9 book 87 allah's apostle came to us addressing the dead body and said may allah's mercy be on you i testify that allah has honored you the prophet said how do you know that i replied I do not know, by Allah, he said. As for him, death has come to him, and I wish him all the good from Allah. By Allah, though I am Allah's apostle, I neither know what will happen to me nor to you. So one could conclude from the readings of the Quran and the Hadith or the traditions of Muhammad that perhaps even he was unsure of his eternal destiny. Any kind of religion cult groups or any kind of religion that teach a works-oriented salvation cannot have cannot ever have the assurance of eternal life now one of the surest ways to immediate entrance into paradise is martyrdom martyrdom in jihad martyrs who die in jihad for the cause of Allah will most likely be granted immediate entrance into paradise Chapter 3, verse 195 of the Quran says, Those who have left their homes, or been driven out therefrom, or suffered harm in my cause, or fought, or been slain, verily I will blot out from them their iniquities, and admit them into gardens with rivers flowing beneath. A reward from the presence of God, and from his presence is the best of rewards. Again, in chapter 3, verses 157 and 8, it says, and if ye are slain or die in the way of Allah, forgiveness and mercy from Allah are far better than all they could amass. And if he die or are slain, lo, it is unto Allah that ye are brought together. Chapter four, verse 95 of the Quran states, Not equal are those believers who sit at home and receive no hurt. And those who strive and fight in the cause of Allah With their goods and their persons, Allah hath granted a grade higher to those who strive and fight with their goods and persons than to those who sit at home. Unto all in faith hath Allah promised good, but those who strive and fight hath He distinguished above those who sit at home by a special reward. So here in this verse, Allah distinguishes Muslims from one another based on their willingness to fight and die in holy war those who choose not to fight will not receive the same reward as those martyred in jihad chapter 3 verse 169 and 70 of the Quran says this Think not of those who are slain in Allah's way as dead nay, they live finding their sustenance in the presence of their Lord they rejoice in the bounty provided by Allah and with regard to those left behind who have not yet joined them in their bliss the martyrs glory in the fact that on them is no fear, nor have they cause to grieve. So, here in this passage, martyrs go directly from this life to paradise, where they wait for those who must first go through the day of judgment. Chapter 22, verse 58 of the Quran says, Those who leave their homes in the cause of Allah and are slain or die, on them will Allah bestow, verily, a goodly provision. Truly, Allah is He who bestows the best provision. Verily, he will admit them to a place with which they shall be well pleased for Allah is all-knowing and most forbearing. So in these passages, martyrdom in jihad seems to be the surest way of immediate entrance into paradise. In the Hadith, the teachings and traditions and sayings of Muhammad, it also states this. In Shahe Muslim, Chapter twenty it says this it has been reported on the authority of Jabir that a man said, Messenger of Allah, where shall I be if I am killed? Muhammad replied, In paradise. The man threw away the dates he had in his hand and fought until he was killed. Once again in Shahi Muslim chapter twenty it says the Messenger of Allah said, All the sins of the martyr are forgiven except debt. In chapter two of Bukhari it says this. I heard Allah's apostle saying, The example of a mujahideen in Allah's cause, and Allah knows better who really strives in his cause, is like a person who fasts and prays continuously. Allah guarantees that he will admit the mujahideen, the holy warrior, in his cause into paradise if he is killed. Otherwise, he will return him to his home safely with reward and war booty. In Abu Dawud, chapter 14, it states this. I asked the prophet, who are in paradise? He replied, prophets are in paradise and martyrs are in paradise. So according to the teachings of the Quran and the Hadith, the two most authoritative sources in Islam, martyrdom in jihad is the surest way to immediate entrance into Islamic paradise. Now, the question arises that the Quran forbids suicide, so what about suicide bombers? Well, chapter 9, verse 111 of the Quran says, Indeed, Allah has purchased from the believers their lives and their properties, for that they will have paradise. They fight in the cause of Allah, so they kill and are killed. So many Muslim scholars have justified suicide bombing, saying this is jihad martyrdom. The person is dying in jihad, in the cause of Allah. So it is not a sin that will be condemned by Allah. Allah. Now, the hope of the Muslim is paradise. And the description of paradise given in the Quran and the Hadith describes a sensual desert oasis. Paradise is described as a lush garden filled with various kinds of fruits, rivers of water, wine, honey, and milk. It is a place where people wear fine silk and relax on couches they are served by eternal youths and entertained by heavenly virgin maidens that is the description given to us in the quran and the hadith here are some passages from the quran that describe islamic paradise chapter 36 verse 55 of the quran says see the inhabitants of paradise today they are busy in their rejoicing they and their spouses reclining upon couches in the shade Therein they have fruits, and they have all that they call for. Chapter 47 of the Quran says this, Here is a parable of the garden, which the righteous are promised. In it are rivers of water incorruptible, rivers of milk, of which the taste never changes, rivers of wine, a joy to those who drink, and rivers of honey, pure and clear. In it there are for them all kinds of fruits and grace from their Lord. Can those in such bliss be compared to such as shall dwell forever in the fire and be given to drink boiling water so that it cuts up their bowels into pieces? Chapter 52, verse 20 of the Quran says, They will recline with ease on thrones of dignity, arranged in ranks, and we shall join them to the companions with the beautiful, big, and lustrous eyes. Now that's one interpretation by Abdullah Yusuf Ali. A.J. Arberry a fine arabic scholar translates chapter 52 verse 20 this way they will be reclining upon couches ranged in rows and we shall espouse them to the wide-eyed huris that's another word for virgins chapter 54 of the quran states this then which of the favors of your lord will ye deny they will recline on carpets Whose inner linings will be of rich brocade. The fruit of the gardens will be near and easy of reach. Then, which of your favors of your Lord will you deny? In them will be maidens, chaste, restraining their glances, whom no man or gene before them has touched. Then, to which of these favors will your Lord deny? So, here he talks about living in a beautiful tent, carpeted floors, eating fruits and with companions maidens who are chaste or virgins they're beautiful beings and he says whom no man or gene before them has touched so they are virgins given to these men in paradise chapter 55 verse 69 through 78 of the Quran says of which of your Lord's bounties will you deny therein maidens good and comely of which your Lord bounties will you deny horus or virgins Cloistered in cool pavilions, O oh, which of your Lord bounties will you deny? Untouched before them by any man or jinn? O oh, which of your Lord's bounties will you deny? Reclining upon green cushions and lovely draguettes. Of which of your bounties will you deny? Blessed be the name of thy Lord, majestic and splendid. Once again, chapter fifty six, verse fifteen of the Quran says They shall recline on jeweled couches face to face, and there shall wait on them immortal youths with bowls and ewers, and a cup of purest wine that will neither pain their heads nor take away their reason, so you'll never get drunk or have a hangover there in paradise, with fruits of their own choice and flesh of fowls that they relish, and there shall be the dark-eyed hurus or the virgins, chaste as hidden pearls, a reward for their deeds we created the Horus and made them virgins loving companions for those on the right hand chapter 78 of the Quran says surely for the god-fearing awaits a place of security gardens and vineyards and maidens with swelling breasts like of age and a cup overflowing so paradise according to the Quran is described as a sensual desert oasis with all the pleasures for men to enjoy. Now, many have heard about the idea that martyrs get 72 virgins. Where did that number come from, or where does that idea come from? Well, that does not come from the Quran, that comes from the later tradition of the Hadith. So there's a debate amongst Muslim theologians on this number. But here's some of the Hadith passages. The Hadith is written about Two centuries after the life of Muhammad, it is supposedly a record of his sayings and the traditions that he passed on. But from several hadiths, for example, Ibn Maha or Ibn Adi Kamil writes this None is made to enter paradise by Allah Most High except Allah's Most High shall marry him to seventy two wives, two of them from the wide eyed maidens of paradise, and seventy of them his inheritance from the people of hellfire. Not one of them but her attraction never lags nor his arousal ever wanes. Once again, Ibn Maha, in his book of abstinence, writes this, The Messenger of God said, Everyone that God admits into paradise will be married to 72 wives. Two of them are Huris, or virgins, and 70 of his inheritance of the female dwellers of hell. And one of Islam's greatest theologians, Al-Ghazali, who lived at about 1000 A.D., stated this, he said, the inmates of paradise will be beardless and hairless. Their color will be white and their eyes painted with collyrium. They will be youths of thirty-three years of age. They will be sixty cubits long and seven cubits broad. He also said the lowest rank of an inmate of paradise will have eighty thousand servants and seventy-two wives. In short, there will be such bliss in paradise which no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor heart has conceived. That comes from Al-Ghazali in the Book of Constructed Virtues that he wrote. So the idea of the 72 virgins does not come from the Quran. It comes from the later traditions of the Hadith. So there's a debate amongst Muslim theologians whether this is indeed the case. Now you can see that the Islamic view of salvation and paradise stands in stark contrast to the biblical teaching on salvation and heaven. First, the Bible teaches that salvation is by grace through faith, not by works. Men and women are justified by belief in Christ alone. Our salvation is not based on what we do, but on the finished work of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of your own doing, it is the gift of God not a result of work so that no one may boast salvation for the believer in Christ is based on faith trusting in Jesus Christ the divine Son of God who fulfilled all aspects of the law and paid for our sin by his death on the cross and that gives a believer full assurance that they have eternal life secondly because Christianity Our salvation is based not on what we do, but on the finished work of Christ. Therefore, we can be assured of our salvation. Only in Christianity can there be an assurance of salvation, and that is because salvation is not dependent upon what I do or I accomplish. Salvation is based on the finished work of Jesus Christ, which He has already accomplished. John 5:24 Jesus said Truly truly I say to you he who hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment but has passed from death to life So the assurance of our salvation is based on our faith in Jesus Christ alone Romans 1:16 Paul writes for I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written the righteous shall live by faith so we are justified based on receiving the grace of God given to us through his son Jesus Christ we receive it by faith, and that's how we stand justified before God.
0: Thank you for joining us here on Evidence & Answers radio broadcast. We hope you enjoyed Pat's show. If you find this broadcast to be of a great value, please consider partnering with us. Evidence & Answers relies on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, you may do so right there on the homepage of our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll see we have a wide variety of resources available to you, including articles, additional audio, and Pat's books. Be sure to share this website with your family, your friends, and your church. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ right here on Evidence and Answers.